You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. Friday, 1 March, US PCE inflation yesterday, 0.2% month on month, exactly what the market was looking for. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb Global Headquarters in Johannesburg, South Africa. On the show today, Mateta Tulare from RMB, Implants results, another tough set of results. I suppose maybe the, the silver lining, if we really want to dig deep, they're not laying off any staff. We've been seeing a lot of retrenchments coming through. Anglo Platinum was, what, a couple of thousand people. Yeah, now from Copper 360. Recent sampling results uh, from their mine, and they got a lot of copper there. I'm also interested in some of the history of copper mining in the Northern Cape. And then thoughts on me on Bitcoin. Uh, is it near its all-time highs? Where to next? The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines from MoneyWeb. Kanyaka rules out rate cuts in the short term. Says rates will only be lowered when inflation is tamed. And he's talking his central banker book, right? You've got to say that. That's what your story is. But man, how to ruin a, a morning. Business day. Spur invests in restaurant water shortages. A group says 217 of 595 restaurants have spent money on water solutions. Morning markets. US was green. S&P up half a percent. NASDAQ up a full percent. In the east, it's mostly green. Sydney up a third. Tokyo up 1.8 percent. Hong Kong up two thirds of a percent. While 10 is down two-thirds of a percent. Commodities, they're all over the place. Gold is up at 2,054. Brent is down at 82.21. Platinum is flat at 8.86. And palladium weaker at 8.57. Rand is 19.15. Bitcoin, 60,800. Top 40 opening call, 125 points to the up. That is 0.2%. MoneyWeb now. On the money. Also available on podcast. Checking now with uh, Mateta Tulari, head FX execution at RMB. Mateta, appreciate the early morning. The implants results, as I said in the intro, the, the only silver lining perhaps is they haven't announced any uh, uh, job cuts. That might still come. They certainly are cutting back on, on operations. It, 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 this is a deeply cyclical business. We've seen the results from the other PGM miners. Certainly they seem to be at the bottom. I suppose part of the question is how long can it take before we start to see the up cycle? Yeah, good morning, Simon. I suppose Impala saying, uh, you know, profit has plunged by 88% in the first half of its current financial year. Like you say, it's following peers by reporting much lower earnings because of the plummeting uh, prices in the PGM space. And obviously, just like they alluded to yesterday, they could shut uh, some of their loss-making, you know, South African mining operations, especially if the metal prices continue to deteriorate further. And also, there's some restructuring efforts, um, you know, that they have put in place. But if those also fail to improve margins, then potentially they could look at, um, you know, restructuring some of the loss-making operations. But also, um, you know, what, what the, the other interesting part is the fact that they're restructuring their Canadian palladium operations. 
the life of mine they have been shortened to between two and four years initially it was around seven years and then also they're planning to postpone some uh, capex that was obviously due to some of the south african and zimbabwe projects now also for me the interesting part was the fact that they've scrapped an interim dividend and also they've postponed um you know spending on various projects to save about 10 billion rand but i think the interesting portion is the fact that they're expecting 2024 to be a difficult year categorized by obviously the anemic uh, precious metal consumer and also investor sentiment is especially given the um, uncertainty in the geopolitical space but i think also the the upside from their results for me was the fact that there is resilience in production despite the operational challenges um including the impact of a safety accident uh, incident and also a turbulent market environment they managed to increase their production by 18 percent um demonstrating a strong operational resilience but also in the face of these challenges in terms of their strategic investments they've also pushed forward with strategic investments uh, dedicating about 7 billion rand to capex to support further future growth and you know increase that operational efficiencies but like we've said um you know the outlook for for the mining sector and the pgm space it has to be you know taken with caution um expect you know continued market pressure especially given the volatile pgm prices like you said earlier and also i think for them from a management perspective i think they will be focusing on their costs and also yeah. operational efficiencies um but i think i think also when you just saw some of the guidelines from them they're expecting um you know 2024 production and cost guidance to still be prudent and obviously um trying to adapt in all these uncertain times especially given the fact that this year the amount of uh, event risk is still quite a lot uh, before we close off uh, the year no, I, I take your point. I mean, there are risks out there, but especially I like the point you make. There is there is a, 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 some resilience in their production, notwithstanding the, the challenges that we're seeing. And I, I mean, I suppose a fairly big kudos to, to, to management for that. We'll leave it there. That's Mateta Talari, head of X, FX Execution at RMB. And that's our question today, LinkedIn and Twitter. Are we starting to see the bottom of this PG cycle? And I suppose there's two parts to it. This might be the bottom. But when does it start going higher? That is the second part. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. Your money knows it's not just about the money. It's about your returns returning the favour and empowering people. Your money can do more to change the narrative. Beyond delivering consistent returns, investing in the Stanley Kanisa Impact Investment Fund can help eradicate poverty and protect the environment. Invest for more impact at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. I'm chatting with Jan Nelson, CEO of Copper360. Jan, appreciate the time today. A recent sense from yourselves. You've been drilling in surface sampling. You're finding, frankly, quite high-grade copper deposits. And this just next to the historically mined uh, Tweerfontein mine. Hi, Simon. Yes, that's correct. You know, I think South Africa isn't really known for massive copper uh, deposits on surface, but this is the second deposit that we've been drilling where we've just been finding phenomenal copper deposits with uh, fantastic copper values on surface. So it really has been uh, very, very good for us. When you say on surface, I mean, is this literally scratching the surface or is that mining speak for very, very shallow? 
No, uh, I think both. <laughs> both of okay. them. It's, it, 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 it means it's on surface, so mm -hmm. one can start mining from surface. But these deposits, as we've drilled them, are also open uh, to depth, and they're quite big deposits. You know, they're large. They're 50 by 400 meter ore bodies that go down for, uh, for 400 meters and are open-ended. And that's one of the things. I mean, this is adjacent to the Tuerfontein mine, which, what, it was mining in the, the 30s, the 40s. I think it concluded around 1950, recovery grade of around 25%. We know there's copper in the Northern Cape because we were mining it decades slash centuries ago. Yes. I mean, the first mineral discovery in South Africa uh, in terms of modern man was actually um, was actually in the Northern Cape. It was the mm -hmm. copper deposits in the Northern, long before the diamonds and the gold and the platinum. And this was a major copper district. You know, uh, at one stage, Goldfields and Newmont sank a 2,000 meter shaft down wow. on the on the historic Karulisberg mine here. Okay, I, I hadn't realized they were going that far down for, for, for copper as well. And, and of yeah. course, you've got, I mean, we, we chatted when you, when you came to market with the IPO, uh, you're already producing, and in fact, you, you, you've got improved tonnage and grades at your SXEW mine. I mean, again, just, just really good deposits in, in, in the area. Yeah, you know, the business has evolved in two halves. And the first part was um, all the loose rock that was left down by the previous mining companies who mined here. And they didn't really rehabilitate. And we found that there were copper in those loose rock dumps. And that we are now processing through the SXEW plant, which makes copper plates. Mm -hmm. But we have now, we're, you know, we're in the process of, of commissioning our own plant, a concentrate plant. And we've bought our neighbor next door, which also has a concentrate plant. And that will now treat sulfide ore from the reed mine. Um, so we'll be producing, um, you know, copper concentrate from the mine, and then we produce copper plate from the uh, loose rock on surface. Why were these mines abandoned? I mean, was it just that, I mean, I, I remember the, the Goldfields mine, I think it was about the 90s, where they essentially just moved on. I mean, was it, they didn't have the technology, maybe gold was more exciting? No, no. I mean, uh, I think two things happened. You know, there was obviously a, a, a significant downturn in the copper price mm -hmm. in that period. And I think from the perspective of, of a Goldfields and, and, and those companies, um, you know, they mine quite large mines to sustain their overhead structure and their whole company mm -hmm. structure. So a mine must be a certain size for them. And I think these, uh, you know, the, the, the mines that were left were not of the size that they they could continue with, but certainly for a junior company of our nature, um, uh, mining at a smaller rate and concentrating more on grade as opposed to volume, uh, there's still massive deposits for ourselves. So I think it's not that they, they certainly have the technology to deal with these mines, but it was a question of the copper price slumping. And I think that these mines just weren't of a certain critical size and the exploration stopped. And that mm. continued under our chairperson Shirley Hayes in the last 15 years and a, a number of new discoveries had been made, made and, and, and that's, that's some of the ore bodies we're chasing up now again. When you listed, if I recall correctly, you were looking at, at about 15,000 tons within about three years. My senses, with, with uh, reading through the sense announcements, your, your results, which came out late last year, you, you're going to blow past that. I mean, it might not be three years, but you're probably going to get higher production uh, in time. Simon, yeah, as a result of, of Reedberg being bigger than we thought it was and these surface deposits, and, and we've got one or two other big things we're busy looking at, we think that within the next three years we can ramp our uh, copper production on an annual basis up to about thirty to 40,000 tons of copper metal.
So wow. it will be a significant change, but it's because of these large surface deposits that we, we're getting on surface, which makes mining easier, cheaper. Mm. Um, but then the grades are also phenomenal. You know, we, we some of the sampling was running at 17%. <laughs> at Wheel Julia, we've had four, five, six, seven, eight percent copper on surface. And and you are already producing. I mean, it's early days and there's a lot still coming down the line, yes. but, but, but you're producing yeah. and, and selling. Correct, yeah. We are selling and producing copper plates at the moment. And as from the beginning of next week, we'll start uh, the first copper concentrate plant. And a month after that, the second plant starts up again. So we will be targeting about 10,000 tons of copper metal um, on uh, for the next 12 months. That'll be our first milestone. And then we'll ramp that up to about 30 in the next or in the following two years. Mm-hmm. You've done some capital raise. Have, have, have you got enough? Because I mean, obviously, there's there's a lot happening. You, you've got the the work ongoing. You are uh, uh, looking to to it was the the uh, reed bag mine. You look to redesign and rethink that processing plant. How's the capital looking at this point in time? No, very good. Uh, you know, we have raised since the listing an additional 350 million rand, of mm-hmm. which about 80% of that e- are debt instruments. You know, so we've been careful about not diluting our shareholders. Mm-hmm. And then we do have a facility currently in place for about another 600 million rand. So we have got about 800 million rand in terms of facilities that we that we can use, and that will be applied over the next two years in terms of our capital growth program. So we, you know, we are adequately funded to, to do what we need to do over the next two to three years. And if you look at copper more broadly, I mean, I, I was back to the PwC uh, Mine 2023 report. I mean, they put copper as one of the, the six critical metals um, for, for, for the global economy. And I, I'm thinking all these artificial intelligence, uh, every one of those chips that NVIDIA makes, there's copper in it. Yeah, it's absolutely right. You know, I think, uh, you know, a lot is said, and, and rightfully so, about stuff like lithium in batteries mm. and manganese and so on. But everything needs electricity, and the carrier of electricity is copper. Um, you know, and then it is a, a significant component of infrastructure development, um, you know, electric vehicles, and there just isn't enough uh, copper in the world. You know, this just one of the copper mines that shut uh, recently in South America due to safety concerns resulted, um, you know, in the copper price jumping by almost 500 US dollars per ton. And suddenly there was a major deficit in the world again. And that's how that's how fickle the copper market is mm-hmm. in terms of its supply and demand. So there just isn't enough copper. And, uh, you know, copper, like I said, is the carrier of electricity and everything needs electricity. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm remembering my science teacher from way back in the day saying copper is the carrier of electricity. You can't argue with the periodic table. And, and, and of course, you, have, you absolutely can't. A, a, a last question, logistics. We, we, we see a, a lot of miners who are struggling with logistics, Transnet and the like. Is that a challenge? Is that something you've managed to work around? I mean, you are doing a, a bulkish commodity. I mean, you talk tons, yes. not, not grams. Yeah, we, we, we are very fortunate. You know, the first point I'll make is from, from uh, you know, our operations all sit in Springbok in the Northern Cape and, and mm-hmm. our corporate office is based in Cape Town. Now, from Cape Town to our mine in Springbok, there's not, not one pothole in any road that we drive. <laughs> so the infrastructure is very good. But we are lucky in terms of our offtake that the offtakers that come and take our copper plate <clears throat> and concentrate come and take mm-hmm. it at the mine gate. So when they drive out of the mine gate, it's not our problem anymore. But the infrastructure is fantastic all the way down to Saldana mm. and all the way down to Cape Town. So um, we're in luckily, lucky there, but fortunately for us, we don't have to, to uh, you know, worry about transport of our material post the mine gate. 
I hear you. They, they, they come and fetch it, and it's, it, it's their yeah. responsibility to get a truck there. We'll leave it there. Jan Nelson, CEO, Copper360. Appreciate the time. Your money can do more when it's investing with conviction. Our partnership with J.P. Morgan Asset Management gives you access to in-depth, broad market research and high-return investment strategies. So invest in a select set of companies with long-term structural growth potential with Stanlib's Global Growth Fund. Seek more returns at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. So Bitcoin, just off the all-time highs from November 2021, trading just above 60,000 right now. Will it make new all-time highs? Sure. Why not? How high is it going to go? I have no idea. I mean, just doing a, a quick uh, Google this morning, folks are saying anything from 100000 to in excess of a million dollars per coin. Of course, it's now trading over a million rand per coin. Fortunately, we can buy slices of coins. We've got the halving happening in January. Sorry, April. We spoke with Peter Edenhurst about this a couple of weeks ago. It happens every four years. And basically, the reward for miners halves. It's currently six and a quarter coins for every completed block. That will drop down to 3.125. Uh, cost is currently about ten to fifteen thousand uh, uh, dollars per mined, uh, mining operation, and that, of course, is going to then double to around twenty or thirty. And this is the point with Bitcoin. It's kind of a built-in self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, risk, of course, if that price gets too high, is a fifty-one percent attack, and that's where miners drop out because they're not making money, and then. One miner controls half of the mining, and well, then all sorts of chaos happens. It, 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 it's, it's unlikely, but uh, Bitcoin at 5,000, things could get messy. What we've seen, for example, is Ethereum moved to proof of stake. This reduces the cost to essentially zero and reduces the risk of a 51% ta- uh, attack. The thing here with Bitcoin... Is what is its utility? I mean, a lot of talk around, you know, it's the future of money. No, it's not. Look, the math is interesting. It's a great proof of concept, but it's it's not the future of money. It's not even money. It's too slow. It's too expensive to transact. It's not digital gold. It's nothing fancy. It's basically a risk asset. When folks want to take their their their, their higher risks, and you know, the S and P is nice, but What's that going to move? A couple of percentage points a day or a week. You go and you buy Bitcoin. That's your risk asset. Uh, some of those altcoins do have more purpose, particularly around uh, billing and finance and the like. Uh, but careful with altcoins. I mean, a lot of those altcoins are just absolute rubbish. But truthfully, I'm careful of, of Bitcoin. It's lacquer right now, but uh, the winters are harsh. We have seen humongous drawdowns, 60, 70, 80% off the highs, uh, long periods of waiting for things to improve. Is this something all in? Not at all. Part of your portfolio? Sure, your call entirely, but uh, Bitcoin is going to remain risky and it's not ultimately the future of anything. MoneyWeb at Midday is South Africa's fastest-paced audio news and current affairs show. Give me 30 minutes and I'll give you the country and the world. This is what you missed. We must always remember 
that the debt was entered into between Sanral and the Department of Transport, who are, by the way, very silent on this because everyone is doing the talking when it's actual debt that Sanral entered into when they built these roads and decided uh, through the Sanral Act to introduce tolling on Gauteng's roads. These are their roads. And we've also said, why is Gauteng paying for and agreeing to maintain Sanral's roads? They're not on Gauteng's assets register. Live at noon weekdays and then up as a podcast on moneyweb.co.za. Moneyweb at midday with me, Jeremy Max, when you need relevant news quickly in your own time. That's it for today. We were chatting with Valinda Diaga yesterday, CEO of Cashboard, talking around what was a tough set of results. But I was asking him about decorative as that remained resilient. And he was absolutely decorative is remaining surprisingly resilient. We asked if you'd been decorating your home. Almost half said, nope, money is simply too tight. A third said just a little. The rest said, uh, no need. My home is beautiful already. Have your vote. Have your say. LinkedIn and Twitter. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning. The MoneyWeb website's in the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nobuchle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their time. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. If you're loving the show, please leave us an awesome rating in your podcatcher of choice. And we'll chat again Monday as volatility really risk. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now. On the money.